The world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in Four Paws Sports. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Four Paws Sports Radio here. I'm Jeff, and along with me is Mary. Hey, everybody. Hey, and before we get started, I just want to say thank you, everybody who's listened so far. We have had over a thousand people listening to all of our podcasts, and uh, quite frankly, I'm surprised because I kind of thought we were boring at first. But apparently, some people actually do like hearing that from us. Either got or you guys are more boring than we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's everybody loves dogs. Everybody loves dog sports. So thank you all for listening and. We're hoping to keep bringing this content to you, and so hopefully you keep enjoying it there. And as always, if you have suggestions or you want to hear something from us or discuss something, send us a note. We will be happy to uh, we'll work on that. We actually have one that we're going to be doing here on jumping uh, probably the next three, three weeks or so, just because it's going to take a little bit more time to get uh, videos and stuff put together to talk about jumping and exercises and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be working on that here shortly. And again, if you got something, send it our way and we would love to, uh, we'd love to talk about it there. Uh, tonight though, we've got a pretty good show tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, leash walking and more importantly, uh, loose leash walking because I don't know about you, Mary, but every time I'm either in the airport, sadly, um, or just out at PetSmart, I see uh, I see dogs that have a rather uh, snug uh, snug leash there, and that's putting it mildly. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it's like we have I mean, too many dogs in our house, and I walk them all at once usually. And people think like I'm some strange voodoo magician, and. I mean, I am, but no, really what it is, is that everybody that I'm walking understands loose leash walking, like truly understands it. And so that's why I can walk eight dogs safely. And even if they see a deer or a squirrel or something, I don't die because they understand their job. And I think loose leash walking for me is kind of a passion because I think it's one of the things that a lot of us, that's why we went to obedience class in the first place, which is how a lot of us get into this stuff is we have a pet. And we want to be able to take it for a walk. And then we go to class and then we get into agility or obedience or rally or nose work or whatever we get into. But yet I go to trials now and I see these dogs that when they're not working these trained behaviors, they're dragging their handlers around and they're gagging on the end of the leash, which isn't good for their neck. They're pulling their owner. It can be dangerous. And I'm like, I think it's something that for me, I think maybe people don't necessarily understand how to train it effectively and, I feel like I have a pretty good way to do it. So I thought, hey, let's share that with people and see if we can help them out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you brought up a couple things. One, I'm going to have to say there is no such thing as too many dogs. <laughs> I don't know. Come to my house right now. and you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm happy at three. I, that's that's my I'm happy there. Um, I, I'll have more maybe one day. But, you know, no. Um the other thing, um, I, I, I got to say, you know, when you see a dog pulling, that's usually, you know, high energy, a lot of stress. And uh, I don't know about you, but there are things called reactive dogs at trials. And when a dog is pulling and driving to get to, uh, get to the ring or wherever that dog is trying to pull to, that can cause a, uh, 
a reaction that can cause a dog fight. And uh, that's a big thing that, you know, having the dog be able to handle its situation, its ability to be calm, uh, be able to walk. And I, I am somewhat guilty of this because I did not really teach Kyber loose leash walking. Uh, Nitro was taught much more heavily for that because, well, for herding, um, I, I have to have a dog that can walk calmly, um, walk off leash, walk by my side because uh, I don't know about you, but I don't need a dog jumping at stock and cause them to be startled and cause all kinds of other problems that we don't need. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's one thing. But, like, with picks, I have yet to teach him that because most of the time if I'm in a dog show, he's right on my shoulders because I don't need a dog uh, come out and lunging at him and I can't protect him. So it's faster for me and safer in that aspect there. Uh, but Kyber, I'm definitely guilty of. I have really not done enough. I mean, he'll stay healing, but – uh, if we're going to compare him to your eight walking at once, I, I got no shot. <laughs> I think it's just, I think, again, a lot of people, there are a lot of ways to teach this. And the way I'm going to share with you guys is the way that I like it, like to teach it. And the thing I like about what I do is to me, it's a very black and white criteria for the dog. I think a lot of the loose leash walking criteria is very gray area. Um for both the people and the dog, as far as what the actual criteria is. And I think when you have gray area in training, some dogs, especially there are some dogs that will figure it out because some dogs are just unicorns and they're amazing. But a lot of dogs, if you aren't super clear, this is what's right. This is what I don't want. They just don't know what to do. And then they're frustrated and you're frustrated and you got nowhere to fall back on. And so this method that I'm going to share with you guys, it actually is sort of based on, my horse training background and giving to pressure. And what it does is it allows you to have your dog on a 50 foot line or a two foot line and they're not going to be dragging you. And so that's the thing I really like about it because whatever length leash, whatever situation dog understands what they're supposed to do. And to me, that's, that's, what makes it a, I think a good technique. Now, of course, maybe we'll get some comments and people will think I'm full of poo, but we're gonna <laughs> give it a there's always somebody who thinks we're full of poo. It's okay. I'm used to it. You are what you scoop, I suppose, but you know, <laughs> but what I will say is the main thing with this and any training method that you use is you need to be consistent. But I think especially with loose leash walking, once you start to train it, you need to make sure that you're consistent because the dog is not going to understand. Sometimes they're supposed to walk with you. Sometimes they're not, you know, that's, that's too confusing. If you want your dog to be a solid citizen and a good loose leash walker, once you start training it, then that's the rule. And I think it just, it makes your dog's life easier. It makes your life easier. And it really, it's more, it's a pain in the rear end at first when they're first learning it. But once you, get in that habit, it makes your life a lot easier. I'm going to begin and kind of talk about what my criteria is and how I teach it. We'll go from there. So what I do, my training method is based upon the idea of giving to pressure. I want my dog to give to the pressure on the collar. And um, you can also teach this on a harness if you prefer to walk your dog in like a, you know, a brilliant canine or some other kind of harness. You can also teach this on a harness. Um, but I started on a collar. The other thing I like about this is I started this actually with my litter of puppies that I had last year. 
And I started, I think they were five or six weeks old when I did their first um, lessons in this. And I did not have the puppies flailing on the end of the leash, like a fish on a line that like you see a lot of times when dogs are learning to walk on a leash. And so that made me feel good that this method also works for that too. Like it helps the dog understand just how to walk on a leash at all. So to start off with, I start in a quiet place. Like usually for me, I'm in my living room, which is relatively quiet, you know, <laughs> and I have my dog on a buckle collar and I have them on a, on a leash, like usually a six foot leash. You could use a shorter leash. You could use a longer leash, whatever. And then I have some treats in my pocket. Um, so I'm ready to reward. And what I do to start off with is I just want to teach the dog to give to the collar pressure. So whatever direction they feel pressure from the leash, what I'm trying to teach the dog is to move towards that pressure, to give to that pressure, to follow it. So that instead of feeling in the pressure and pulling harder, they soften the pressure on the leash. So what I do to start off with is I take the leash and I will put some pressure straight out to the side, either to the dog's left or right, it doesn't matter, but straight to the side. And the reason I go to the side first is if I pull straight forward or straight back, my dog is probably going to resist me. If I pull, if, like I'm trying to drag the dog forward, most dogs naturally, if they haven't been taught how to respond, will dig in and pull it back against that. And if the dog is fading away from me and I pull backwards, try to pull them backwards, most dogs will lunge forward. They'll pull forward because that's just their natural reaction to that pressure. But if I pull to the side, it is, it pulls them just a little bit off balance. Not that I'm trying to yank them off their feet, but it will pull them a little bit off balance to the side. And it makes it harder for them to resist, which means helps them find the right answer quicker, which helps them start to understand the concept. So I pull the leash straight to the side and I just put gentle pressure on the collar, gentle, steady pressure. And what I'm waiting for is the dog to move toward that pressure. So if they flop, if they flail, if they try to turn away, I just kind of gently hold that pressure and wait. If I need to, I can talk to them a little bit or even entice them the first couple times with a treat if the dog's really having trouble understanding. But what I'm looking for is as soon as the dog moves that direction, so say I'm pulling to my left, as soon as the dog moves to my left, I will relax the pressure on the leash. Like don't keep pulling them to the side. As soon as they move towards you at all, relax that pressure and tell them they're good and you can give them a little treat. And then you repeat, pull a little to the side again. And I find they learn faster if at first you pull one direction several times and then go back the other side, like maybe pull to the left three or four times and then go back to the right three or four times. So they start to realize they can follow either direction. And if your timing's good, if you release as quickly as the dog moves toward you, they start to figure this out pretty fast. And so then... Once I have the dog pretty consistently moving to the side and pretty quickly responding to that leash pressure, then I will start to pull straight forward and straight back. So the dog also learns not to brace against that. And because they have that foundation now of moving to the side and giving to the pressure to the side, then usually they don't resist you much. Um, and you can, again, talk to them a little bit or entice them with the treat a first couple times to help them understand that they need to follow that pressure. And again, be really careful not to keep pulling them along, okay? Anytime you put pressure and they follow the pressure, you need to release 
the dog and tell them they're good and then put pressure again. Like that's probably one of the bigger mistakes I see people make early on, like especially with puppies or dogs that just don't have a lot of leash walking experience is they're trying to get the dog going somewhere. And so they put pressure and the dog starts to go and they want the dog to keep going. So they keep pulling. And instead you need to put pressure. The dog follows you. You relax the pressure, even if it's for a second or two, and then you can put some more pressure again if the dog isn't still moving. So I will do that and I will work on that in a nice quiet space like my living room. And you should see within a session or two, the dog should start to understand this pretty quickly. Um, then I'll take them outside in my driveway, in my yard and work on it. And the dog realizes that this is something that they need to do other places as well. And once I start to establish that, then I need to start being very careful as a handler, as a trainer, that when I am walking my dog somewhere that I am requiring that they keep the leash loose. So what that means is I need to be prepared when I go somewhere with my dog that it's going to take a while at first. So like, let's say my dog has gotten really good. They're pretty good in the living room. They're pretty good in the driveway or my backyard or whatever. And now I'm ready to take my dog for a walk. Well, what does that look like? Well, of course we practice this, but I would say probably 90% of dogs, when you get out and start walking, they're going to be excited. They're going to be sniffing and they're going to start to pull, especially if they've practiced pulling previously. Like if this is a, a trained behavior, um, this is a retraining situation where you've had your dog, they're used to pulling you on the leash or used to dragging you around. Um, you know, you're going to start to head off in a walk and they're probably going to belly down and start sniffing and, and start dragging you. So what do you do then? Um, the first thing that I like to do is I just stop. So if my dog is trying to drag me, I'll just stop and wait so now I'm, I'm back to putting steady pressure on the leash and I wait for the dog to stop what they're doing and turn around and be like, Hey, what's going on? Why aren't we walking? And then good dog. And then we can keep walking again. And for a lot of dogs, that's enough reward because what they really want to do is they want to keep walking because they want to be sniffing and investigating and looking at the squirrels and all that stuff. So for a lot of dogs, that's enough of reward. The fact that you can keep walking. Um, if your dog stands there forever trying to drag you forward and you're not getting anywhere. Um, you can, you don't have to just stand. Um, you can turn around. Like one thing that I'll do is I'm walking along, they start to pull. And if I stop and they're still trying to drag me, I'll just turn around and walk the other way. And I'll just kind of lock my arms down to my body and just keep walking. So they can't really pull me. And eventually there's going to be a brief moment at least where they quit pulling on the lead because they have to turn around and catch up with you. And at that point, good dog, maybe that's a good time to reward with a treat or something. Um, you may have to have some extra good treats for this because a lot of dogs are pretty highly stimulated um, when they're out in, in life. Uh, so extra good treats, something extra smelly, extra tasty would be a good move at that point. Otherwise it may not be good enough to be worth it for the dog. Um, so like, like I say, they start pulling, you can stop on your tracks. You can turn around and do a 180. 
those are generally my two favorite things to do early on, like until the dog's had some practice. Um, I can even, if the dog is really trying to go straight ahead or whatever, I can move to the side and pull the dog to the side. Cause remember that's the first thing they learned. And a lot of times they'll respond to that a little quicker. So I'm trying to walk straight down the sidewalk and the dog's trying to drag me. Maybe I move to the side, like into the grass, kind of towards the street or something and get the dog to move sideways. Good dog release and reward. And, and so that means that your first few walks are pretty tedious. Um, but what you're going to start to see, what you're looking for is for the dog to go and they hit the end of the leash and they're like, oh, wait, and they back off. They may even check in with you, but whether they check in or not, if they hit the end of the leash and they back off. And then I hope, I hope, I hope that you have a party, you know, praise the dog, reward them. What a good dog. Make a big deal out of it because that's when the dog is starting to really show you understanding. Um, and so that point it should start to get a little easier to walk. Now the key once again is to be consistent. If they back off several times in a row, good dog. And then they start to go, Oh, but I'd really like to pull. And they lean in and pull, go back to either stopping or turning around or whatever you're doing to remind them that that's still the rule. Once I've been working with my dog for a while and um, they understand, I feel like they've got a pretty decent understanding of giving to this collar pressure. Um, then I can maybe adopt a different way to respond if they start to pull. Like, for instance, um, it's pretty typical for me to be walking seven or eight dogs at a time. It is not practical when you have eight dogs on a leash to have seven of them walking well, one of them trying to pull, and to stop and whip a 180 with all of them. Like, that just, it's not happening. Um, so what I do in that situation is I've got all the leashes in one hand, who's ever pulling, whichever leash is tight, I'll take that and do a quick jerk and release. Um, at that point, the, it is fair to correct the dog, I feel, because I have taught the dog how they're supposed to respond and they are choosing not to. Um, you know, I don't start off by yanking the leash because I haven't taught them what to do. That's not fair. That's why we do teach them to give to the collar pressure. But once they understand that, um, then I can give the leash a jerk and release and, and even a couple. Cause sometimes if there's something really exciting, like they see a rabbit or a squirrel up ahead or another dog, they may, um, you know, it may take more than one pop on the leash. They're still on a buckle collar at this point. So, you know, it may take a little more. Um, but then when, again, like always, once they do it right, what a good dog, aren't you good? You can even do a treat reward if you want to. Um, again, for some dogs, for a lot of dogs, just being able to continue walking is a very strong reward for them because they're having fun. They're enjoying their environment. Um, so once I've got the dog to the point that they're showing me that they really understand they've got to give to that collar, then I will go to a collar, a leash correction, especially when I'm walking multiple dogs. Cause like I say, it's just not, I mean, it, that just starts to be making macrame with your dogs. So if you're stopping and turning around for one, the other one's being good. And then that's just too much chaos. Um, one thing I will say, like once I've been, once my dogs are trained and I expect this behavior all the time. So if I have you on a buckle collar, you should follow this. You should walk properly on a leash, but I will say in a high, um, 
highly arousing situation, like taking eight dogs for a walk. Um, I do have a couple of them that walk in slightly more powerful collars. And what I, what the situation that makes me decide that they're ready for a more powerful collar is a number one, I have to feel like my dog really understands that they're supposed to give to their collar pressure. Right. So if, if I don't, if I see signs that the dog baby is confused, doesn't understand their job, I will go back and retrain that first. I will make sure the dog understands their job. But what I'm looking for is a dog that, that has shown me that they clearly understand they're supposed to give to the collar pressure. But when they get in that more exciting situation with other dogs, like, like say, often for me, it's because it, it's not a problem until I have seven dogs on a leash. And the dog's like, no, I'm too excited. This is too much. I want to be out in front. I want to be the first one seeing everything. I don't care. And so if I'm having to do a lot of leash corrections on the buckle collar, then I might go to a more powerful collar. Um, I like a martingale um, because it's got an, it's, you know, it, it's got a little limited, like it's not going to choke them down, but it's got a little more zip to it so that they understand they, they feel that correction a little more and it maybe is a little more worth their time to avoid that correction. Um, the other thing I will use is a smaller length prong collar. Um, because it's just, it's got a little more oomph behind it. And like, I have my one, my one girl, Pepper, Pepper is very much, uh, I think it's cute that you think I'm going to listen to you all the time, but I'm on my own agenda kind of dog. And so I say, well, that's cute, <laughs> but <laughs> this is how we live here. And keep in mind guys that I'm walking. Usually I've got my typical fare is two Sheldies, a border collie and everything else is a Samoyed. And I don't know if you've ever walked a sled dog, but they, walk those dogs, you. they can walk you. I mean, and, and for safety's sake, I mean, one Samoyed for like one female Samoyed that is trained to pull can like a trained, I mean, mine aren't trained to pull, but still like it is not unusual in competition weight pulls for a good female Sammy to pull 1500 to 2000 pounds on a sled harness. Um, on a weight pull harness. And you being a buck 20 at best yeah. uh, doesn't oh, count for anything. That, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the point is, is I weigh way less than a weight pull sled. So um, if, and let me tell you what, if you have a few of these dogs hit the end of the leash with some intent, you're in trouble, you know, and I'm pretty strong, but I'm in trouble. So I have, a, I have two of them that when we go out for a walk, I have two that go on little prong collars and I have one that goes in a martingale collar. And that way, if I, if I have to give a correction, I don't, I don't have to give near as many. I have to give maybe one or two. And then they're like, oh yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. And, and then I'm not nagging at him and we're all enjoying our walk. The important thing there though, is once again, everybody's had the foundation, right? So everybody understands you need to give to pressure. Everybody's been worked with individually, so they understand their job. And then I can put a little stronger collar on to make sure that I stay safe on the walk and that I'm not nagging at them. I'm not correcting, going 20 steps down the sidewalk, correcting again, 20 more steps, correcting again. Because in that situation, you know, nobody's having fun. And obviously the dog is telling me that the correction I'm doing is not effective. And whatever reward I have when they give properly to the leash is also not enough. 
So that way I can increase it. And a lot of times if I have to increase the correction, I will try to get a better reward as well so that I um, expand the difference. So I make it super duper obvious to them what is worth their time. But at the same time, it kind of depends on the dog because if, if going for the walk and seeing the sights is more fun for the dog than, than a toy or a treat or whatever that I've got, then, okay, we get to keep walking because you're not pulling me, you know? So it, that that's, and it, and that's worked really, really well for me. I mean, I've even, I've had my dogs, I'm going down one of the paths I like to walk. It's not unusual for us to see deer or foxes or rabbits or squirrels or whatever. And sometimes they do hit the end of the leash, but they all bounce right back. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. And it doesn't mean they're not excited. You know, it doesn't mean they're not going, ooh, but I'm not getting drugged on the sidewalk. So. Right. And I want to talk about one thing, actually a couple of things, is that you have mentioned being fair and criteria. And the one thing that really hits for me is nagging because I see so many people in every single sport nagging their dog to do a behavior that either their dog doesn't actually understand um, or the fact that their dog doesn't care and has not been made a point that they need to care about some things. Uh, for instance, in herding where uh, you do have to be at times a little bit harsher with your dogs for correction, because we're talking about livestock here and we're talking about protecting the livestock while you're trying to train your dogs to work them. And yes, sometimes you do have to be a bit harsher with that, but at the same time, you don't want to nag because nagging, well, as a human, when we're nagging, what do we do? We kind of turn off our ears and we're just like, uh, not, not hearing anything. Uh, did you hear something? No, nope, exactly. nope, didn't hear anything. So, exactly. you know, that one swift correction rather than 30 corrections on a walk is going to be a lot more important at the end of the day for that one. So definitely nagging is a big thing I see a lot of pet owners do. I see mm -hmm. even just looking at agility. Um, when I'm judging, I see a lot of people, I hate using the word nagging because it sounds weird while we're doing a sport, but when they're mm -hmm. asking to take an obstacle, they're like, all right, come on, let's go, 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 yep. go. Instead of actually going back and working it and building that confidence in their dog to understand the task, when they understand you don't have to nag. Exactly. And, you know, again, I come from a world of horses where it's downright dangerous. If I'm, if my dog, if my horse feels like it's okay to blow me off and try to drag me down the barn aisle, I can get hurt, or, you know? Absolutely. And so I come back from the dogs. And, and one thing, like if I watch my dogs together, because I'm fortunate that I have dogs in my house that are very good. They have very good dog skills. They're very good with each other. And even when I get a training dog in that maybe isn't so good, because everybody else around them is good. They teach the other dog better dog skills. Those dogs become better dogs with, with dogs because of what they learned from my dogs. And one thing, like I take a lot of lessons from fire, our oldest Sheltie and resident head bitch. And, you know, fire is really awesome because she doesn't, she doesn't beat around the bush. But if you try to run over or jump on, said old blue Sheltie, she is not nice. You know, she turns around rah, 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 and she will do whatever strength, the correction she needs to make a point. And I will tell you every dog that comes into our house and tries to jump on fire's head, 
usually only tries once. But they're not scared of her. They'll still play with her. She'll play with them. They'll interact with her. But she makes a point. And I think sometimes we're trying so hard to be nice. And of course, we want to be nice to our dogs. Like, I don't want my dog to be sad or unhappy or scared or any of that stuff. But we're trying so hard to be nice, we're not clear. And then we're frustrated. And then our dog is frustrated. And that's no fun. And if we just make a point and be like, no, I don't like this. Then we're not spending all our time being frustrated. And then we can do the stuff we like. And it's a lot more fun. When we're talking about places to go work, what are mm-hmm. places? Where are places that you like to go take your dogs to go test the behaviors? Just walking through town, um, walking. You know, I live in a small town of about forty five hundred people, uh, so I walk. There's walking paths in town, down the sidewalks, down the streets. Um, one thing is my dogs get better. Um, I like to go to the city ball diamonds when there's practice or a game going on, walk nearby. Um, and then I have to be prepared if my dog is trying to pull or whatever. No, I'm sorry. You can't see my dog right now because he's being trained and he's not using his manners, but that's also a great time to, you know, socialize dogs, get them used to people. If you want to, um, I will take them to one thing I'll do is like when I go to agility class on Monday nights, when it's not my running time, I might go get one of the other younger dogs that's learning some of this stuff and take them and just practice walking them through in that higher excitement situation of dogs running where I can work on it with the caveat. Like I'll also practice this at trials. I mean, everybody's with me at agility trials and obedience trials. So, you know, when they're building course for the next thing, I might bring Jinkies in, who's my almost six-month-old puppy, and practice walking her around. Now, with the caveat, like, let's say I have a dog that is with me, and I walk it on a small prong collar when I'm walking eight dogs together. Prong collars are not allowed at AKC events, so do not put your dog in a prong collar and say, Mary Drexler said it was all right. It is not all right. Um, (laughs) You still have to follow the rules of the venue that you're in. And I would just like to say that this past weekend, I was in Wisconsin at a show with eight dogs. um, One of them, one of which is a new training dog. One of which is a dog that's been in and out of training, but had just come back to me two days before. And one is a puppy that I bred that doesn't live with me, but was with me for the weekend so I could show him. And I was at the showgrounds and I took them for a two mile walk, eight dogs everybody on either flat buckle collars or slip leads. And, you know, we had a couple, they all had to be reminded a couple of times, but not that much. I tell you what, they were good because they all know what they're doing. But so make sure, like I say, if you're practicing this at a dog show or something like that, make sure you are in equipment that is appropriate for the venue that you're in and make sure it's a, you know, if, if it says in the premium, no one under dogs, if it says in the premium, you know, like AKC, you're not supposed to have puppies under four months old. You know, make sure you're following those rules. Don't get yourself in trouble. But, um, you know, like say parks. Um, we have some festivals here in town where they're closed down Main Street. That's a great time to go practice walking. Um, you know, just class. Any any place you can go to walk your dog. Vet clinic. You know, every time they go to the vet, they still have to have their manners on, except for Hex, who loses all manners when she goes to the vet clinic and just begs for treats. But she's earned that right. <laughs> it's okay. Once in a while, they can just do that, especially when Hex goes through all the stuff that she's gone through. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Hex is a goat. She can do what she wants to do. 
<laughs> well, one place I'd like to take them is Home Depot. Um, Home Depot for me is literally down the street from me. There are all the places, all the people there that love the dogs, all the workers. They always feed my dogs. Even though I'm like, I hate those cookies, but I'm like, hey, whatever. They, they socialize <laughs> great there. There yep. are all kinds of people, uh, just customers there that love, especially if your dog is literally on leash and yeah, I literally leave Kyber and they down and I'll go searching for something in the aisle. And I just, cause I don't want to walk with him cause I may have to move around quite a bit and grab things. Yep. And so it's easier to leave them there. And it's a perfect place to work your sit stays, your down stays. And if you like an audience, people will flock to your aisle of going, Oh my God, did you see that, that yep. guy, that guy left his dog on leash down stay and he's not near it. Oh, that's like, that's yep. amazing. I'm like, and for us, it's like that that's, Day, that's just a normal day. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, I've gone to like when it's really bad outside and it's cold, I'll go to like PetSmart or something or Lowe's is another right. good place. They're really good about it. It's really funny. There's been more than once I've gone to Lowe's and I'm, or not Lowe's, but like PetSmart and I'm working signals or something. And uh, I'll have the people being over like, oh, would you like information on our training classes? And I'll look <laughs> at them and be like, I think I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I got this. I, I got this. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> Like, like, I'm pretty sure I'm okay here. <laughs> but yeah, like yes. pet-friendly stores, a lot of pet stores will let you come in. But again, you get, keep your criteria, like super important. that Because a lot of times the dogs get in those places where things smell good, or there's people that want to say hi. And I'm always just, you know, yes, I'd love for you to say hi to your, my dog, but I need to make sure they walk up to you appropriately. And I find that, I mean, there's very few people that won't respect that. As long as right. as you're really upfront about it, um, but I find that but most people are really good. Um, the other place that's good to go in nice weather, like we're having right now, is out in front of like Walmart or Target or grocery stores or something. Out in front of the mall, people coming in and out. That's a great place to go. Where obviously you're not going to go inside, but you can be right there and lots of people walking by. Well, especially. Walmart because that's the taste to go people watching too. So it's like it's a two for uh-huh. one it's entertainment and training. Exactly. On the topic so. of like loose leash walking, let let's talk a little bit about off leash walking because I don't know about you, but I like to go hiking and I don't like to go walk my dogs on leash when I'm going hiking in the woods because honestly, I'm using my hands to make sure that I'm pulling myself up on trees and whatnot when I'm mm-hmm. hiking and climbing up hills and whatnot. So a leash is not necessarily a option um, that right. I can use. Um, this is kind of more old school, something my dad taught me a long time ago when we had labs, but I like taking, and this still is very effective for my guys, is I like going out with a 50-foot long line out in the woods with them and letting them drag it. And I like to build that barrier, that boundary automatically into them where necessarily I'm not going to let them hit the end of the 50-foot rope, but I am going to let them, I'm going to have them stop at, you know, 10 foot, 15 foot, 20 foot. And every Mm -hmm. time they look at me, I'm going to, one, I'm going to pay for the fact that you're looking back at me. And yep. so that's going to start building that automatic of, oh, I'm just going to check in just to say, because what if I do want you to come back? And um, just to be able to, one, I still have control at even at 50 foot, even if I have to step on that rope and go, hey, come back, come back. I think when I started doing that with Nitro, I think it was like within two sessions of a two-hour hike that I started getting really good results and very clear results. And 
for now, I can take him out anywhere and he'll stay within that 50 foot boundary for me, unless I'm out hurting or something like that. But he will not leave my side. Now, honestly, I haven't done it with Kyber, so I don't really test that boundary unless he's with his dad because then he doesn't typically leave. But there have been a couple times where I was out in the woods just in my backyard where he did take off on me. And so it was just a very valuable lesson that I really do need to work that. And I think mm -hmm. loose leash skills are amazing and very important, but I think off leash skills are even more important because your dogs are probably going to be off leash more often than I think loose leash uh, just in a general days. Cause I can't really tell you how many minutes my dogs are on leash during a day, but I can tell you that they spend most of their days off leash. Yep. Well, and that's like going back to your point with the long line and working on those auto check-ins and things. Another thing that that allows you to do is work on your recall. And for my Absolutely. guys, like we do a ton of work. I mean, when I get a new dog in, that's the first thing we start working on is, is, is working on random recalls and teaching them to that. It's really worth their time. And I tell you, that's something, I mean, you know, a lot of the competition stuff that I do, obviously the dogs have to learn to work for a delayed paycheck, you know, whether it's obedience or agility, obviously I can't reward them until they come back out of the ring. I can't reward them with food or toys until they come back out of the ring. But when I'm working my random recalls, I mean, from the moment I get a puppy or a new training dog in, I'm carrying cookies in my pocket. Or if I had a dog, I mean, most of what I get are dogs that are more food motivated than toy. But if I had a dog that was more toy motivated, I'd keep a good toy in my pocket. And we work on those recalls and you get rewarded. That's one thing that I, you know, when I'm teaching a random recall, I reward for almost everyone. And even now, like we go, my mom has some farm ground that we hike the dogs on a lot. And I call them periodically throughout the walk and they get rewarded every single time. And I don't want them to believe that they might not get rewarded. And then, and because that can save their life. And then, you know, okay, in one out of a hundred, if I don't have a treat on me, well, they're still going to come the next time. Like it's not a big deal. And so like right, you say, right. and I'll start off my long line like that too, so that not only can I encourage auto check-ins and reward that, but also I can reinforce the recall and make sure they come first time, every time on the recall so that, yeah. to keep them safe. Right. I mean, that's a skill they've got to have, or, I mean, it can save their life. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only is this for easy living on a day-to-day -day basis, but this is also potentially life-saving for the dog. And that, I mean, one, to be able to live with them and be able to take them anywhere is great, but mm -hmm. definitely being able to know that in an emergency situation where you're out hiking, but all of a sudden, well, let's say worst case scenario where I live, I have coyotes and mm -hmm. while they're, when I'm out there with them, they're not going to bother us because they're going to go, Oh, uh, we're going to leave. And of course, you know, that's right. why I carry nine millimeter with me just in case. Cause I don't really care to have to fight off coyotes barehanded, but, um, <laughs> but you know, let's just take, for example, you're going out hiking and of course, you know, you're not the only one who decided to go off leash walking your dog. And of course your dogs are well-trained, but you know, that's our general public are <laughs> their dogs are not going to come back yeah. to there and they're going to start going to your dog. And so the first thing I want is my dogs back by me. And then I become that barrier between the exactly. unknown dog and my dogs. So exactly. yeah, I mean, definitely that recall, the auto recall, the auto check-in that is mm -hmm. so important. Yep. Well, and I just had recently with Jinkies, my little puppy, um, you know, right from the start, like her, one of her first lessons was recall. 
And there's been a couple times. So of course, when I'm walking a million dogs at once, um, periodically the leashes get tangled and I need to unbraid them. And I was unbraiding the leashes and I accidentally dropped her lead. And, you know, I just called her and she didn't even hesitate, turned around and we were at a walking trail in Iowa city and there were dogs and people up ahead and she didn't even hesitate. She turned right around and came back because of the work that we'd done. And we had, you know, my heart rate returned to normal and I told her what a great dog she was and picked up the lead. And we went <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, that's absolutely true. So yeah, I do a ton of work on the loose leash walking for safety for me and for them when we're walking also to keep them healthy. So they're not hurting their necks, dragging me along. They're like, <laughs> gagging on the end of the lead. But then like you say, also we work those recalls. We work on auto check-ins. I mean, that's actually something Samoyeds are not known for their great auto check-in skills. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, that's not something that comes naturally to them the way it, you know, it's very interesting. The difference in taking the Shelties and the border collie versus the Sammies out to the farm. Whereas the herding dogs will very naturally check in with you and the Sammies, um, not, that's not a natural thing for them. They're doing their thing. And so we work a lot on that and it's really rewarding for me to watch Jinkies, you know, and she's kind of exceptional. I will say there's a reason she stayed when she was supposed to come for training and then go, um, <laughs> but um, you know, but you know, we work on that a little bit and now she, she'll be out playing and chasing vengeance and antic. And then she'll be like, Oh, I haven't checked in with mom in a hot minute. And she'll come tearing back to me just all on her own. And you know, of course I make her think she's the most wonderful dog that ever lived and feed her cook every time because i'm like heck yes you come back to me but um <laughs> you know that's so that's a really good point that those skills you know you want to make sure you work on that even if you're in a situation where they're not going to be awfully that much you know maybe you're living in an apartment and your dog most of your walking is in the city you know whatever right. still try to find some times in a training building or in a dog park like if there's a, a a private yard part of the dog park for aggressive or whatever dogs, your dog doesn't have to be aggressive to go in there. It just means you get to be in there working by yourself, you know, where you can train that stuff. Cause you just never know, you know, what if they get out of the car or get out of their crate or get out of the house and, you know, those skills can really save their life. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a definitely a good point there. So, you know, I mean, I think you and I, we live in the Midwest where there's more ground, there's more opportunities, I think, to take the dogs, you know, but there are certain parts, you know, I'm sure there's some people listening here that are kind of going, wow, you have farm ground, you can walk on, wow, you have, <laughs> 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 you know, um, I have a dog that I trained that, that he lives in the city and I mean, they go out hiking in the mountains and stuff on the weekends sometimes, but most of his walking's in town, but again, skill he's got while he was in training. So he's great, a great little citizen in the city. And then he's got an excellent recall now and a great auto check-in when he's out hiking in the mountains on the weekend. So um, both those sets of skills work for him really well. Yeah. No, no, I think, you know, tonight was a really good topic for discussion just because this is a, this is not just getting a dog. This is actually building the foundation, building that partnership and building, you know, this is the building blocks for everything else that you do. Cause if you can't recall your dog, well, I've seen it in the ring. I've seen it at a time, all the time in agility where 
their dogs are not paying attention. They are more distracted by everything else. And building that relationship will make everything else so much easier um, in life. And this is not a skill that you can just uh, breeze through or you can skip because it comes right. with disastrous results. Exactly. Well, and I think, too, we have to keep in mind when people, those of us that compete in dog sports, whether you are uh, someone who competes at a very high level or whether you're just starting and you're doing just, you know, you're running a novice or open or something like that and you're fairly new, I think we have to keep in mind that we are the small percentage of dog ownership. We are the more elite percentage of dog ownership where we're going way beyond with our dogs, even to put a novice agility title or a rally novice title or something like that, which in the grand scheme of, of performance events isn't as, isn't a high level title. It's still way more than most dog people, most people that have a dog ever do. And I think one thing when we have spectators come and watch our sport or they see us and it's like, okay, the dog can do this cool stuff in the ring because even if you're struggling to barely pass a novice course, that still looks pretty cool to somebody who can't get their dog to, you know, sit in the kitchen before they have a treat. Right. Like, and I think when we are walking our dogs outside the ring and outside the show and the dogs are dragging around or acting like fools or whatever, and they don't have any manners, I think it doesn't send a very good picture or message to Joe public with their dog. Like, well, why would I bother to train my dog if they're going to act like that anyway? You know? Right. And, and I think we have to think a little bit about that because it's like, Hey, I can train my dog to be a good citizen. And then also I can do this cool stuff. Not, Oh yeah, my dog's really cool if it's on the agility course, but the rest of the time it's a maniac, you know, like that. Right. To me, that's not a very good, and it's not fun. I mean, the thing is, the better trained your dogs are on leash and off leash, the more stuff you can do with them and the more fun they are to be with. And then right. they're happier because they're doing more stuff with you. It's just all and, positive you know, all around. Exactly. I mean, most of us do dog sports because we like being with our dogs. And wouldn't it be nice if we could like being with our dogs, <laughs> you know, to go on a walk? <laughs> or to, you know, I mean, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed going um like, especially that started in 2021 for me when I was campaigning Hex for Harach, because I was basically traveling to a different town every weekend to show obedience. Um, and part of what I do is I'd get to the town and I'd show, and then I'd look up walking trails in the area and I would take all the dogs and we'd go for a walk. And because I don't have to worry about my dogs dragging me around, I can walk, I can go, I can have fun. And my dogs had fun. Like they love that stuff and if my dogs weren't pleasant to walk if they didn't have good leash skills I absolutely wouldn't at the end of a long day after driving however many hours to get to wherever I was going would not take them for a walk I'd be like you fools go entertain yourselves in the hotel room because I'm not talking to you right now you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired I don't want to but instead it was relaxing and pleasant for all of us because we could enjoy new places and new stuff right well and think of how much uh, how much of a trip you get out of people going, oh, my God, look at how cool that dog is. Look at what they're doing. And the fact that your dog is so calm on leash and then it does all this extra stuff on top of that. For me, it's at work because working for Royal Canaan, obviously, we're a, we're a pet centric company for we make pet food. Mm -hmm. So every uh, every time I go to a big event, like I went to the open, went to tryouts, went to nationals. Every time I come back, my boss is like. Okay, when are you going to make that PowerPoint? When are you going to show us all what you did with your dogs? And 
you know, show that within a week or two, once I get all the videos put together and I show that PowerPoint presentation to our weekly Friday meeting, the amount mm -hmm. of messages I get on the side of just saying, oh my God, your dogs are so awesome. I can't even get my dogs to sit in the kitchen or mm -hmm. my dogs don't even listen to me. They, they're just rowdy. And mm -hmm. I just cannot believe your dogs do this. And especially when I get to take them to the office, that's the big thing mm -hmm. for them is I love being able to take my dogs in the office. Walk them on a nice loose leash where I don't have to worry about them pulling me around because I got my backpack and stuff with me in my hands and I need a loose leash. Everybody's oh. like, oh, God, I wish my dogs would do that. And it's just it is such a it's it's a big power trip for me. In fact, I'm going, wow, oh. I, I, I can do something. And for me and for you and a lot of other people who are high in the sport there, we're all like, this is normal for us. This is not anything oh. out of the ordinary. And then you get that compliment. You're like going. Well, I guess, yeah, that, that is a big thing for some people to have that accomplishment. Exactly. Well, and for me, like, you would be shocked the number of times that I'm walking down the street and I'll look over and people have, like, pulled over so they can take a picture or a video of me walking <laughs> down the street. Yeah. Like, I've had delivery drivers. Like, I've had, like, people like DHL, FedEx, those kind of guys, like, stop what they're doing to get out of their vehicle and video me. I have people ask if they can take pictures, some just take stuff. And people are like, wow, I wish I could do that. And I always, I want to be like, yes, you can. And I tell people, this is not, you know, like I said in the beginning, this isn't voodoo. This is, right. you know, my dog's it's not rocket science. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not, but I think people don't know how to make it happen. And, but it can, you can. And that's what I hope. And that's one of the reasons that I started trying to teach people is because it's like, no, you guys can do this too. Like, this isn't this isn't magic. I didn't wave a wand. My dogs didn't come out this way. And a, there's definitely a couple of them given half a chance would drag me all over creation without a second thought. But um, well, I don't know. Hex, Hex came out perfect. I mean, there's well, just no, no way around that. Exactly. Hex did come out perfect. But, you know, <laughs> the normal dogs in the world, you know, the normal dogs. Yes. Yeah. And you got to get one that's just naturally perfect in all things. But you know, of but for the rest, the but the rest of the Harry running around my house, I have to be like, okay, this is the rules, and this is, and actually, it's really funny. Like if you watch me walking Jinkies right now, because she's an extremely enthusiastic puppy, and so, but she does understand the concept of loose leash. <laughs> so this is what you get: gallop, 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 hit the end of the leash. Oh, poop! I can't do that. Gallop, gallop, gallop <laughs> back. Then ooh, we're going gallop, 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 and so. It's not smooth. I mean, unless I shorten up so she doesn't have as much room to gallop, gallop, gallop. But she does get it, you know. And mm. as the puppy enthusiasm wanes a little bit, then it won't look like, you know, she's a yo-yo out there. Going, <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing, she gets in the leash and comes back. And that's and the other thing that translates to is when I go in the confirmation ring, my dogs don't bait dive. Um you know, when that all important thing in obedience, when they say, can get, put, you know, put your leash on, maintain control, you have qualified or put your leash on, maintain control. You are qualifying so far. The judge does not have to make a horrible mark in the book because my dog is <laughs> dragging me out of the ring. You know, um, <laughs> it just if I'm in the rally ring, you know, my dog, if they forget how to heal, well, they do know how to walk on a leash. So at least if they hit the end of the leash, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it just, it, it applies to all kinds of stuff. And it, like I say, it's not voodoo. Everybody can do it. And that's right. the message that I hope that people, you know, like 
I guarantee you, Pepper does not walk on a loose leash because she came wanting to walk on a loose leash. She walks on a loose leash because she knows that she doesn't get another option. She would quite happily drag me down the road like she's in the Iditarod every day of her life. <laughs> and that's what she likes to do. But I'm like, no. And because I have that, you know, I've even had, there's a hotel that I stay at for a couple of obedience trials that I like to go to in Wisconsin that they have a two dog limit and I've stayed with as many as four dogs in the hotel. And they know that I do that because they're so impressed with how well behaved my dogs are. And I walk them out and they're so quiet. And I also pick up my poop and pick up other people's poop and all that stuff. But they, they know I'm bringing more dogs and they don't care. And what made them okay with that is because my dogs are so well behaved. And so, you know, well, it can really work to your advantage. Yep, well-behaved dogs can get you some uh, some parks there, especially if they don't know you have all those dogs in the room too. Right, right. But like I say, especially I mean, if they even, all look alike. It does help. It does help if you can take them <laughs> on. But I mean, like I say this one hotel. I mean, the first time I went with them, I was basically begging because I'm like. And they were like, I don't know. And then they saw how good my dogs were. And now they're, they're excited. They, they, they're excited to see my dogs and have them come in and they're happy. And I don't have any issues at all with the fact that I'm coming in with more dogs than I'm supposed to. So, so yeah. So train your dogs, guys, loose leash walking, recalls, all that good stuff. It's fun. It's fun. And it can be fun. Yes. And it'll make your life nicer. Like I say, when you're first teaching it, it's very tedious. I mean, I will admit that. Like Jinkies, and I've got a new training dog, and same with her. It's like, oh, geez. And those first few walks, you're just like, oh, my gosh, would you please just magically know this? And, of course, they don't. But, of course not. boy, you put that time in, and then it gets so much easier. It is so worth the time, and it's just a lifetime of, of, of good skills for your dog and making your life easier. It's just totally worth it, totally worth the, the tedious parts. Indeed. Well, as always, great advice, uh, definitely for starting out. And even if those who aren't starting out now and still have an older dog and have some issues, always great advice. And always, you know, keep in mind, guys, like you can use this shelter dogs. You pick up a dog from rescue from a shelter from maybe a breeder return, something like that. This is something they can learn, too. Like this is don't feel like, Oh, I didn't teach this to my puppy. So they can't learn. I mean, you know, you can, you can start this at any time and it'll, maybe it will take a little longer if the dogs had an established history of pulling. Yeah, of course they will, but they can still learn. I mean, and dogs are pretty cool that way. They're pretty forgiving. You know, you can teach a dog new tricks and you can teach an old dog new tricks. Exactly. So don't, don't believe that old, that old wives tale. You absolutely can't. (laughs) all right well again thanks for spending the hour with us here we appreciate it and we will see you out there next time at four plus sports radio have a great night next question